Hey guys, what's up? This is Jared, and I'm welcoming you to the Photographic Collective Podcast. It's been a little bit, but we are back. I'm here with my big buddy, Miles, and we got an awesome interview today this with one of good, our sweet friends. One. Yeah, sweet friends, April Payne. Uh, Miles, give him a snapshot of what today looks like. Hey, y'all, first things first. This one is for the moms out there. April is a, uh, gosh, she's a brilliant artist, Jared. She's so good, man. But the way that she speaks to moms is so encouraging. Um, I, I got a lot out of it, and I'm a dad. So, yep. um, yeah. Yep. She's I, real, man. She's real. Okay, so let's let's get right into it. And, uh, and you know, without further ado, here's uh, April Payne. Tell me about April Payne as like a person, not as a photographer. We'll okay. get there. Okay. Who are you? Um, April Payne. April Payne is a photographer and a mom and a wife and um, a woman with two dogs who lives um, just north of Houston Metro. I live in the Burbs. Um, and I, I kind of love it because it allows me to have my world and then when I photograph most of the time I'm going into town so we like I'm literally calling it into town which I never thought I would do (laughs) it's like I live in the country I don't um but you know we head into town and um I get to photograph there and I used to live down in there um so I kind of have the best of both worlds and where I live and what I get to interact with and and see um and I mean that's that's really it. I, I'm busy with my kids and I'm busy with my family and those are the most important things. And that'll be a theme of pretty much everything that I ever talk about because that to me, that's what it's all about. That's who I am. That's why I'm here and why we're doing this. That's awesome. What, what kind of photography do you shoot, April? I shoot weddings and families. Those are my two. Strictly? Names. I mean, no, if somebody came to me with something cool, um, my secret passion is fashion, but okay. I don't see that as much. I mean, I, I, I tend to take um, bridal and make that fashion because yeah. why not? it's the one time where you get to have that. Um, I had a secret dream when I was getting married that I never could make come to pass because I just didn't know anybody who could do it because um, it wasn't a photographer at the time. But I um, I wanted to go so badly to Marfa and shoot in front of the Prada in Marfa. Like that was my whole dream. That's all I wanted. My dress would have looked so weird there. Like there was no reason. But that's what I wanted to do. And you know, it's those kind of threads that you tie for your life where you're like, oh, that I could see how I got where I am because of those little things. Um, and so I try to take that approach with all bridal because I do love fashion, but it's not something that I shoot a whole lot. How, how long have you done weddings and families? Ooh, um, I professionally, I started actually during the pandemic. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you dove in to the I world, did. like owning your own business. Yeah. That kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. So we're a family of entrepreneurs. So okay, my husband tell me about owns it. his own business. Yeah. My husband owns his own business. I used to own a completely different other business. I, I was a regulatory specialist for oil and gas companies. Like okay. it had nothing to do with anything. Let's um, go. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I got pregnant with my daughter, um, I was so sick. I couldn't get off the couch. So like I had to shut down my business. I had to shut down everything. Um, and so then when I had another kid, um, in that time. And then when the pandemic came, I got out that my husband actually bought me a camera for our wedding gift out of nowhere. He was like, this just seems like something you need. Um, and I got that out of a closet and then Intuitive I just started. Continue- yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's the best. Um, and I just 
started using it. And then friends were like, well, I want some pictures like that. Cause it was basically just like at home sessions every day because I was losing my mind with two toddlers at home and we couldn't leave the house. Um, okay. And it just all kind of snowballed from there. Wow. Okay. This is the greatest origin story I've ever heard. <laughs> this Man. is perfect. I, I should actually, I guess I should probably preface to everybody that's listening. Um, the, the whole concept, April, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but like I wanted to have you on here because we wanted to have an entire episode that was like for the moms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, because you guys are so underspoken to, right? Like um, there's, yeah. there's, but there are so many yeah. successful, so many. incredible, yeah. talented women that are yeah. also like holding down the fort. Yes. And okay, so... sidebar here really quick before we kind of dig in too deep. Um, Y'all, please, please click over as quick as you can because I'm going to be touching, April, on a lot of your more editorial looks. Mm -hmm. And you you say that you're really inspired by fashion. Your wedding photography looks like it's something torn out of a Harper's Bazaar or or like a Prada magazine. It it literally (laughs) does. It feels like it's like... My new bio line. It's going to be so great. (laughs) So... So how the heck does, I, okay, I'm jealous, number one, but how the heck does a, a, a woman with an entire other career like grab a camera out of a closet and then turn this into what you have in, it's been three years. Ooh, like you're yeah. still, you're, they're a baby business. A baby, yeah, yeah. Um, how does that happen? So I would be completely lying to you if I said that like I had never had any interest in this And that this was never something, I never saw this coming. Because again, if you look through the threads of my life, like this makes complete sense. I don't know why I went to get a master's in English because I was never going to do that. I I was never going to do anything with that. Um, But it starts, and this is so cliche and I hate to say it, but it's true. I got my first camera when I was six. And no, go ahead and judge me for it, but it's true. I got it from my grandfather, (laughs) but it it was something that he saw in me and interest in. And I was, I was always like, I hate, I hesitate to say the weird kid, but I was always very artistic, very um, kind of looking at things from like, if people were looking at the front door and the back door, like I was trying to get through the second story window that was locked. Like that's, that was always kind of my thinking. And um, so through my life, like the thread was there. And so I always loved consuming art. I loved consuming um, photography and going to museums and reading. I was a voracious reader. Um, And so I think that laid the groundwork for my taste and my style. And it does take, I mean, even if you, you have great taste, that doesn't mean that you can make beautiful things automatically. Um, But it it is a good foundation of, I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And for the most part, I know why I don't like it. Um, And part of it too, is just my age. I'm, I'm an older woman in this industry. Um, And so it kind of comes with experience and that's Mm. kind of, that's kind of how I ended up here. How do we get where I am today? I just worked my behind off. Yeah. I worked so hard and that's the, not the very glamorous part about it, but I think everybody who knows who they are and knows what they want and knows that they're going for something bigger than themselves, like they just do it because you have to. Mm. Um, and so I think that's kind of where we, where I've landed. 
What did that look like for you early on? Like when you say you worked your butt off, you're behind. You went very, you went very mom speak for us. <laughs> what did that, what that look like? Yeah, yeah you know, we, we can at least be a PG. This is at least a Disney rated show. <laughs> what, what did that look like for you early on? Oh man, it looked like, it, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. And this is also one of those things that's not very popular to say, but it looks the same as it looks right now, which is I shoot for myself. I shoot for free when I have an idea that I want to shoot and I work through what I know and I try to learn from there. So it's um, when I started at the beginning, obviously I didn't have any clients because nobody knew who I was and they didn't want to invest any money in me. And that's fine. So I took a bunch of my friends and was like, I'm going to shoot a family session. Y'all come out to your front yard. Like we're going <laughs> to, we're going to do this and I'm going to make it easy because it's probably going to be a waste of your time. And honestly it was because <laughs> the photos are terrible, but I had no idea what I was doing. My own children, like they're probably going to go to therapy at some point and be like, my mom always had a camera in my face and it was so annoying, <laughs> but it is what it is because I learned how to shoot kids, which then set a foundation for learning how to shoot those split second moments on a wedding yeah. day that are like, they are the showstoppers. They are the things that people put in coffee table books, but they happen so fast. And so being able to keep up with children and to figure out how my camera works and how do I need to shoot it in this certain scenario with the light like this or to edit it the way that I want it and how do I want to edit it and what do I want it to look like? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's continuing to evolve. And even this year, like I've tweaked more of what I want to do and how I want to present it. Um, and I think that honestly, I just think that's a lifelong kind of thing. Like people who are telling mm. you I, my work has been the same for 15 years are either lying to you or their work's probably not that great anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're I'm not fair. evolving and they're that's not a stinger. growing in what they need to be doing. What a cool progression. So you literally went from families into families plus weddings. Am I hearing yeah. that right? Yes. Okay. So tell me, let's go back. <laughs> tell us about April Payne's first wedding. What, what brought you oh. into the wedding world? <laughs> yeah, let's um, hear it. <laughs> Should we turn on some tragic music in the background? Was it, was, it, was it the same situation where you're like, get outside your house. We're about to do a wedding. <laughs> you're getting Jesus. married. No. You're getting it's married. It's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so convincing. Me, which was very nice they did pay me okay. um no it was actually somebody that my husband knew so once again we we circle back into my uh-huh. husband is like the, the guy bomb. he's yeah he he passes my name out to more people than i do <laughs> nice. um it was somebody that he worked with who was getting married and they were like well we really like her work so let's talk to her they like talking to me uh, and they hired me to shoot their wedding. And that's wow. kind of how it just kind of progressed from there. Okay. <laughs> so you walked away from that wedding being like, huh, I kind of like this. Yeah. Um, honestly, like- <laughs> I, was, I didn't know. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can do this. Wedding. Yeah. Thinking, oh man, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. But I also walked away thinking, man, what a privilege that was cool. to be able to be mm. invited into mm moments with these people of all of these dynamics. I mean, that wedding had so many dynamics to it that um, it was truly a privilege to be in the room when these people were navigating 
some really precious and mm. kind of honestly kind of hard moments. Mm, um, that's good. But yeah, that I walked away feeling both like overwhelmed, but also like overwhelmed, you know? <laughs> hey, so you mentioned something a few minutes ago that I thought was really cool. You said that you, you kind of know what good looks like. To me, yes. Well, okay. And, and then to your <laughs> ideal client at that point, I would assume, yeah. right? Like you I, want I, them I, to agree yeah. with you. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so you know what good looks like to people who, um, who know what good looks like, at least as exactly. far as, as your <laughs> yeah. So You said it. <laughs> I think that what I've seen so much though is in, in like younger photographers, they, they're capable of knowing what good looks like, but they just don't know how to make their work look good. Yeah. How, how did you bridge that gap so quickly? I am not, it's, it's part of who I am as a human being, but I am not a trendy person. I do not care what the trends are. I do not care how the best in the industry are shooting right now. I'm going to shoot what I like and what I think looks good. And I think part of what that, the progression has been is that I'm not distracted by what looks good to this set of people. I know what I want my work to look like and I will do everything I can to get it there. Um, And if it's, you know, if it looks a little bit different than what's gaining traction on all of the places that share everybody's photography, that's fine. Um, But that's not, that's not what I do. And I, it's like I can't even make it that way because when I try to make it look like that, I just get grossed out and I have to change it because I just don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's that's really the singular focus of I'm not going to get distracted by what everybody else is doing because it's trendy. I'm going to do what I like to do because that's what I do best. Mm-hmm. So I, I, had a, I had a point in asking that because <laughs> I think you actually just teed me up for the perfect question. It sounds like the answer largely is you're capable of like removing noise. Yeah. Like you can hear what is important in a moment, or at least what's important to you in a moment mm-hmm. and not get caught up by the trends and the, you know, like the sound that I think so many photographers fall into. How does that play out for you as like a working mom into providing space for you to just be more efficient, get work done, get it tackled, get it checked off. And I mean, cause work-life balance for any mom is, it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I would assume it's like a, a constant battle, right? Yeah, so, is. so like walk me through how, how you've made these decisions about your work that are so intentional that it gives you more space to change hats at home. I mean, I think it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other, because I don't have time to sit around and jack around with what's trendy. I, I have a very limited amount of time. And this, so this is my first year where both of my kids are in elementary school. So before I had even less time because I had one kid in elementary school and I had another who was in three day preschool for five hours a day. So I had literally like four hours for three, I had 12 hours a week where like, that's all I had. And so you have to get efficient when you're doing something like that. Does that mean that like my work doesn't bleed into family time or when my kids are home? Absolutely not. Um, But it does mean that I know what it is that I'm trying to go for. Um, And I think that what pushed me into that, and this is, let me preface this by saying that I am speaking to this as a mother. 
that does not negate the pressure and the um, the time that a man puts into his home as a father. I, I need everybody to hear that because I think that that's really important. I'm not sitting here saying that mothers have it so much worse. I'm saying that my experience as a mother looks like this. Um, and I don't have the pressure of being a father in my home. So I can speak to being a mother. So I say that to say, as a mother who has been the solo parent before, like my, we've gone through seasons where my husband has worked from home for long stretches of time and was able to eat every meal with us and all three of us were home and, and everything was great. And then I've had seasons where he was gone Monday through Thursday every week and getting into the rhythm of that and trying to figure that out. And I've had seasons where he's literally been gone for three months to India because his work had this situation where that had to happen. And so I think because of those incredibly varied and extreme situations in motherhood of of parenting two children and having to figure out the dynamics between that in so many different ways, I think that has really made it to where I don't have time for the noise. Mm. I don't have time for what people say that I should be doing mm. because I have to go make supper. Like, <laughs> I don't have. So, I mean, I, I, that's a long-winded answer to your no, question. That's really yes. good. <laughs> no, that's really good, April. Yeah, I think, I think there's a, like a high majority of our listeners are wedding photographers. I bet there's mm-hmm. a huge chunk. Um, I'd love to hear from you on after hearing you say all that like what's your take on working on the weekends like how do you deal with I don't know if guilt is the right word but (laughs) of walking away from your family on these 10 hour days of of wedding work Uh, I know me and Miles have talked about this a lot I'd love to hear your perspective um I will I it it will always be a source of conflict for me inside yeah um because it is taking time away from my family. Yeah. And it means missing important things. Um, Tomorrow I'm working on a Friday and tomorrow I'm missing something at my daughter's school. The very first thing I'm ever having to miss that she has, she's having like some sort of pretty good then. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 I am the mom who shows up to everything. Nice. Um, And this is the first time she's eight years old and this is the first time I'm having to miss something. And it really, honestly, it puts things into perspective of Mm. um, how much, what, how do I say this? It puts it into perspective that what I'm charging is what I deem okay to lose that time with my family. Yeah. Mm. Um, That's well said. That's really well said. That's really hard. Mm, It is. (laughs) It's never... It's never going to feel right to me. And it's not even just weekends. It's weekdays. Yeah. It's constant. It's the the constant mom guilt of, of um, am I doing enough? Am I, am yeah. I showing, am I, am I hitting the delicate balance between um, showing them what it's like to work hard and live the life of your dreams? Or am I working too hard and they're going to feel like mom didn't show up for me? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I constantly have to check in with myself and my husband sees it in me all the time. And he has to speak to it too, because, um, that is, that is such a thin, hard line to walk and no one is going to tell you you're doing it right. Can we, can we ask you then? I mean, clearly I love the humility here. Cause you're, you're, you're saying the quiet 
part out loud, right? That you don't have it figured out. But can we ask you for some advice though? Like these, these moms are really just any of us. I mean, this is, come on, yeah. you're, you're talking to two dads here that, that feel and, and struggle with the exact yeah, same thing. You guys have gone too. So how, how help us with, with building guardrails that allow us to pursue our dreams and, and pursue something we're passionate about. We believe in, in ourselves as well as making sure that, you know, that our families feel seen and, and, uh, and prioritized. Um, I would say the first thing is to actually be realistic and take a look at your life and how you're living it. Um, and sometimes you're going to have to swallow some pride to do that. Um, and look at, are you spending quality time with your family? Are you, if you say that family is the most important thing to you, are you actually living that in your life? And a lot of people will say family is the most important thing to me. So then I would tell you, if you are doing that, if you are, bending over backwards for your family and spending time with them, then give yourself some grace that you're doing it right. And, you know, the gaps will get filled in and it will be, it's going to be okay. Um, and then I, I think that another really important thing to keep in perspective though, is why are you doing this in the first place? Mm. And if you don't have a bigger reason other than just to make money or to, you know, hang out with these people on a weekend or to go to beautiful parties or whatever. I don't know what kind of empty reason would be, but if you don't have something that's deeper than that, you need to find it or it's going to fall apart Mm. because there has to be something that you can rely on to say, that's why I'm doing this. And that makes this sacrifice of time worth it. That's good. April, what, what is, what is your why? Oh, my why is, um, is that I do all of this for God. Mm-hmm. He asked me to do it. And so that's why I do it. And I trust that if I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and if I yeah. am asking for him to show me exactly what I need to be doing in my life, that he's going to fill in the gaps that I stress about and that everything else is going to be covered. Yeah. Have you seen that's- that? Has, has, uh, you know, the old saying, he proves himself over and over. Do you feel like the past three years you've been able to see and taste that? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I just in the fact that like, he, Miles is saying like, it's only been three years. And you're yeah. like, it's only been three years. <laughs> I did it's, this stuff. I, I yeah. did all this stuff in the past six months. Like, it's only been three years. That's and, pretty wild. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. I want to. Yeah. I want to just touch back to what we just talked about a mm-hmm. little bit earlier about time and the weekends and stuff. Uh, you talked mm-hmm. about your husband a couple times, and I know yeah. me and Miles can both attest to this. I feel like um, behind all of that is an awesome partner in crime. <laughs> like for us having our wives to hold down the forts and uh, what's your husband's name? Coleman. Coleman, yeah. So to have Coleman fill in those gaps and be an awesome supporter and being your best promoter, which is really cool, uh, I think it's huge. I mean, we couldn't do it without that. And so I think that's a gift. Yeah, for sure. I mean, choosing choosing to be with somebody who believes in you, like almost to an annoying rate is like, there's nothing, there's nothing like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's you know, incredible. That is yeah. pretty awesome. I always tell my wife, I'm like, and I think this applies to all these, everybody in a relationship like that, uh, in marriage, that like, 
I can, I'll, I can do anything she tells me I can do. Mm-hmm. Like she tells me I can pick this stuff up. Like I can go do it. It's yeah. like, again, having a spouse that believes in you um, yeah. is so huge in business. All right. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What, um, I don't, I don't know you super well, so I don't know what your personality is like, but are you, can you say no easily? Hey, everybody, interrupting this episode quickly. Hey, don't fast forward through this ad. I'll be quick, I promise. Jared and I spent seven months designing the perfect preset pack for you. Along with G Presets and our buddy Greg Peterson, we have finally released the Abide Preset Pack, and it is ready for photographers of all cameras and models and sensors to try. Y'all head over to gpresets.com slash product slash Abide Presets for more information. We are so excited for you to see it. Again, gpresets.com slash product slash abide presets it's gotten better as yeah. i've got tell me about that, that journey of saying yeah. no because <laughs> i feel um, like that's like a big part of it right like prioritizing your family like you yeah. gotta figure out how to say no yeah it is um no i mean i think that as i was growing up i i would say no by like not answering <laughs> <laughs> nice. way to do it, but oh, I hate I, people I, like you. I want to, but also like I'm not gonna do it. But I don't want to hurt your feelings. But like I'm not going. Like this one um, answer. <laughs> and so as I've gotten older, it has been like a like you really just need to answer people. And yeah. um, it going through. I am. I'm very introverted. I very much need time to decompress and be alone. And, um, so to me, it, it always has to go through, is this worth my time and my energy and the sacrifice to be away from my people? Um, and so I think when you have children, um, or when you get married even, but it's, it's not quite as, as acute as when you have children, um, you, you have to go through that mindset shift of, I can't do all the things. So I have to figure out how not to do all the things, um, or you'll just drive yourself insane. Mm. I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> no, no, but it's that's the good. No. You answered that. No, you do have trouble saying no. <laughs> now everybody's going to be able to relate to you because we're all in that same boat. It's so hard sometimes to say no, but we know that no. it's important, and that's we'll right. go insane if we don't. <laughs> I love that I completely. <laughs> Yeah, you you just abandoned you you danced around it. Okay, hey, so can I can I pinpoint us in for just a few minutes um, on on your actual work because I think there's I think there is something to be said here. I hope we've kind of built a a structure for people that are listening to understand that um, you're you're clearly like a very approachable, very human person, and um, you're figuring this out like one day at a time. But also uh, while also juggling you know, like the pressures of being a mom and a wife mm-hmm. and a baby business owner, because you're still relatively new at this. Yes. Um, your work is, is remarkable. Thank you. And I don't believe you that all of that just <laughs> dropped in your lap naturally. So, <laughs> so the reason I don't is because you, you shared not too long ago, you shared this, uh, this story of you going to a workshop. Yeah. Um, and, it really touched me. It was one of the reasons that I reached out to you to be on the show. Cause it, it touched me the, the vulnerability that it took for you to say mm-hmm. like all that you had to go through to, yeah. to do that. And I think a lot of people are scared to death to admit that they don't know things. Oh yeah. Um, and so can you walk us through the processes 
um, maybe a few specific instances of things that you've done for yourself to learn how to be a better photographer? Sure. Um, well, we'll start with that workshop. So I went to a workshop. I live in Houston, so I'm deep in the heart of Texas. And I flew with my family to London um, in January. So like the best time to visit London. Um, we went to London in January and I went for a workshop of um, a photographer whom I really admire. And uh, it was just really exciting. But if you back that up a little bit, um, there was a whole lot of, I can't do that. I don't belong in that space. Um, those people that are going to be there are absolutely incredible. And they're going to look at me and like think that who is this girl and who cares about her? Um, but because I am who I am, I said, I don't care. And um, I made a commitment to myself a long time ago that I was going to do the scary things because who is going to tell me no? Like, and if you tell me no, like, okay, that's fine. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not pursue what's important to me because somebody might tell me no. So um, I, and also a lot of coaching from my husband who's saying like, you should go, you have, he's very um, financially minded and he's looking at my bank accounts and he's like, you have plenty of money to go. We can make this a whole family thing. So like ticking off all the things like you, you've got this, yeah, you've got yeah, this, yeah. you've got this. That's Why my man. You? <laughs> <laughs> Just re he's removing excuses. Yeah. Exactly. He does that a whole lot. Um, and so I woke up, I set my alarm for like 3.58 um, so that in the morning so that I would wake up in time to buy one of these tickets. They were super duper um, in demand and they sold out in like 20 minutes. And somehow um, I believe just because it was mine, like it was meant to be mine, I got a ticket. Um, nice. And so we flew to London and the whole time I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> this is insane. Um, and you know, a lot of that self-talk was you're too young to be doing this, not like young in age, but like your business is too young to yeah. be doing this. This should be reserved for when you're better. You're going to um, waste this opportunity because you know, you're not there yet. Um, and I just didn't care. I didn't let it stand in my way and I did it. And I, <laughs> looking back, like I took little like two and three second videos of the whole time. I have like from every single day, we were there for six days and one day was a work day for me. All the rest of the days was, um, I was there with my husband and my two kids and we just had a ball in London. Like we literally, I think we talk about it at least once a week, somebody in my house says, remember London? Like, remember that? It was so good. good, memory. That's good. Yeah, it was so good. Um, and I never, I, I would not have that if I had allowed that fear to be louder than the opportunity. Um, and I, I tried to live my life like that because one of these pictures up here is from that workshop. And this picture right here is from our time there. And it's like, it's, it's so meaningful to me. And some mm -hmm. of those pictures will be and they're Like they're literally on my desk. Like I have pictures from <laughs> London everywhere. I, I keep them close because it's, it is a, a reminder. It is yeah. something that reminds me that this is all worth it and it's all leading to something and it's all bigger than me. And so I think that's, that's just kind of one of those moments where I just, I said, I'm not going to let the fear stand in my way. 
That's funny. Okay. It's like the biggest lesson you learned was yeah. getting to the, the whole workshop. Wow. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just love that. Cause I, I think what I've seen from, from having the opportunity to, I don't, I don't know if I'd so much say like mentor you, but sort of be along this journey with you in PhotoCo yeah. is how, how hungry you are for knowledge, but also how, um, how quick you are to offer insight to people and often even insight to people that may be actually further along in this journey than you are. Yeah. And, to me, that's a that's a really admirable thing. Like to see you and to see you and Tom Wright in the in the and those of you guys that don't know what I'm talking about in our um, in the Photoco small group channels in the Slack channels, there's sort of a constant conversation going on about any number of things, yep. and nobody join. takes on so Tom. Oh yeah, thank you. You should join. <laughs> nobody takes on Tom Wright, but April Payne will take on because <laughs> I don't care. I don't um, care. <laughs> I do. I admire Tom so much. Um, I I don't know. I just think people are people. And if somebody's looking yeah. for something or they're asking a question, like I hate I hate when I like ask a question and nobody answers it. Because then I go down the whole role of like, do you think I'm dumb? Or was that an actual dumb question? Or yeah. like, should I not have asked that? Like, is that offensive somehow? And so I never want people to hear, uh, to, to feel like I haven't heard them and they aren't getting like something from me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'll just honestly, like I always second guess myself once I press that enter button. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have said that. Maybe you don't actually know and just rework it in my head every time. So that's the truth of that. <laughs> well, I, just, I, I, I say all that to just compliment you to say like I think there is sort of a duality to you that's really special um, in, in your self-confidence in the sense that you your work is growing and, in, and I can say specifically actually to you there's only a handful of photographers actually in the world that I have edited their raw photos and I've had the opportunity because of, the, of testing some of the, um, the abide preset pack on your raw photos, which Looks was a really cool. Very good. You should get it. Uh, <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Hey, uh, this episode we'll you brought later. to you by, <laughs> no, literally this episode <laughs> is being brought to you by. Um, but I had the opportunity to edit your raw photos and, mm-hmm. um, and, and two things were true very quickly to me. Number one, um, thank goodness, the, the preset pack that we released looks beautiful on Canon Files. It does. Two, you That's take hard. beautiful files. Yeah, you do. And it is hard. Canon is not, a, not an easy thing to do. So hard. Um, but you take absolutely beautiful files. I mean, just like straight out of camera things. The, you, your eye is just remarkably keen. Um, okay, so, so as we start to kind of wrap this up, um, yep. I want to hear, hear from you a few key moments because this is something that we don't get to ask a lot of guests. So a lot of our guests have been in business for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, right? And the moments get jumbled. I'm there yeah. right now. We've been, I've been at this for so long. People will ask me things like, you know, hey, Miles, what was your favorite wedding? And I'm like, I, mm, I, don't, know, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question exactly. Yeah. But I know that two or three years in, I could have answered these questions really clean and I wish I would have journaled those moments so that I could have seen the evolution. Mm -hmm. So give us a a critical, a key moment, like a pivotal changing moment for you in these first few years as a wedding photographer. 
I, so I think the first one would be before I was a photographer. Um, I, one part of the story that I didn't tell earlier was I was on vacation with my family in Hilton Head and um, I just felt drawn to my sister-in-law's broken Canon Rebel. I was like, I have to pick it up. I have to take it to the beach. Like we're taking this. And she's like, but it's broken. I'm like, I don't care. And so all broken. And at this point in time, I did not understand the triangle of, you know, like aperture and ISO. And I didn't understand how it all worked together. And I picked it up and I swear to you, I, this sounds so weird, but it's like it clicked. Did it work? Do what? Did it work? It did. It did. It did. I have some of those pictures in my house on the wall. I'll send you a picture. They work so great. Um, but it, it, one of those moments. And so I spent all day taking pictures and I, I love those pictures and I love some of them because they're good, but I also love some of them because just of what it represents to me. And so I, I came home that night to our, to our house and, and I was like, man, there's something to this. And my husband was like, go buy a domain. <laughs> and uh, oh, when wow. I tell you this guy, Coleman, this guy, I know, I know. But Goodness like, he, never, he had never before been so quick to tell me something like that, um, to, to commit myself and to get all in. Like he's very analytical. He wants to look at it. He wants to think through it. And for that reason, something in him was just like, do it. There's just do it, go do it. Um, and so I think that was one of those moments because not because it started this, this time in my life, but because it was one of those moments where I said, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take this chance on myself to do this thing that I have no business doing. Why am I doing this? But I'm going to do it. And taking those little chances on myself, um, have really added up over time because that's really what this is about. Putting yourself out there and taking a chance on yourself that you're going to do what you set out to do. And that's every entrepreneur in the world um, that you believe in what you're doing and you're going to go do it even though like, what business do you have of doing that? Um, I think another one too was was really when the first stranger, like absolute stranger reached out to me and was like, I love your work. I love your website. I love your Instagram. I would love to have you photograph me. We're like, oh, this isn't like someone saying like, this is April. She's the sister of my cousin. Like, you should work with her. She's cheap. It was somebody being like, I don't know how much you charge, but I would really like you to take my photos because they're beautiful and I really like what you do. And that is, um, that's a very freeing moment when you're just like, oh, okay, like I'm doing this and people are someone seeing the value me. of that. And that's Someone likes me. I'm so glad someone likes me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think those were really, those were really big moments. Um, Dude, I, I, I love that. Yeah. I think one more would be, um, um, it's, it's a sad one, but I had a client pass away not long after we took the pictures uh-huh. and the response from his wife was something I will never forget because wow. she had these photos of this time where she could, put in a time capsule of this is this was our family days before this horrifically tragic thing happened um and that's all i have and that is so special and that's like that's what we're doing that's that's why it's worth it 
Um, so, so cool. I would say just off the top of my head, I'm sure there's a hundred more, but those, those are the top three things for me. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> April, we want to be respectful of your time, but I, one last thing I would I'd ask of you. So a lot of these people listening today, um, they don't have a Coleman in their life who is <laughs> telling them to go get a domain. Unfortunately. So, yeah, yeah. Right. And so I just ask you what, what is your encouragement for the mom or for the creative who's on the fence of, I mean, you took the leap in 2020 yeah. of all years to start your own business. I would love to hear um, just what you would say to someone who is on the fence, like embody your, your Coleman right now and encourage yeah. somebody. Um, well, I think that would be a twofold message of one, like what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah. You go, you go try to do this and you're off time and you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? Nothing. So go do the thing because that's what you want to do. And there's something there inside of you that's calling you to this. Go check it out. Doesn't mean you have to quit your job. Go check it out. Go see what it is that you can do with this moment and this um, this longing to be creative in a certain way. And it's not just photography. I mean, it's art, it's yep. drawing, it's, you know, speaking on Instagram, it's, you know, whatever you want to do, go do the thing and, you know, dip your toes in and see what happens. Um, but also I had something, but I forgot it. So that means okay. that that's the most important thing. <laughs> no. That's great. April yeah. says, go get a domain. Go, go get a domain. Just go do it. That's twelve dollars. Get yourself a Coleman. <laughs> get yourself a Coleman, baby. You can't have mine, but you can have another. Yeah. Next, good. We'll let you keep yours. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, man, I just, ooh, I so appreciate your perspective yeah. on this stuff. I think it's, I think it's so relevant. Uh, one of the things Jared and I have been talking a lot about for this this podcast moving forward is making sure that we're. Um, that we're continuing to engage people where they are instead of only bringing in the voices of, of like very known or very aspirational figures, but bringing in people that are in the weeds with us. Yeah. Um, and that are, are, are fighting the same battles that we're fighting. And, and, uh, and I, I want to ask you right as, as we kind of wrap it up, um, there was a quick conversation that happened in the Slack channels earlier, and I just I want your perspective on it because I think it was pivotal. I think it was really, really beautifully said, and I want your angle on this. So, to give everybody some context, there's been this conversation going on back and forth about direct flash photography and why that's become considered very editorial and very high fashion, and where that came from. And we'll spare everybody the history lesson, um, or just write Tom Wright because he has it all. But. <laughs> there was this comment that was made, um, ironically by Tom, um, who yeah. said, why does everybody feel like they need to be so unique? Why does everybody need to be different? Why do we feel yeah. like we need to be different? Can I get your take on that? <laughs> mine was not a very, um, I don't think, mine didn't hit very well, but. <laughs> Evidently it did. Here sure. we go. <laughs> um. I, yes. Okay. So if someone were to ask, you know, there's the meme of, you know, what's your toxic trait? My toxic trait is I need to be different. And if I'm not different, I'm doing it wrong. So I am plagued by this idea that my work looks same. Like if it looks like everybody else's in your Instagram feed, like I'm doing it wrong, which is not right. That's a terrible mindset. Um, but it is something that I battle. So just putting that out there because I think a lot about this. 
Um, but this idea of different, it can be a, an empty word that we throw out of like, I just want to be different. Okay. But what does that mean to you in being different? And I want to be different. I want to be different because if someone is going to look through Instagram and not be able to distinguish my work from somebody else's, then what's the point for me? Um, but I think that for me personally, um, I am at a point where it is, I am currently trying to get out of booking people who book me simply because my price is right or my availability is there or a combination of the two. Because what I think that a lot of people don't understand is that when you come into this industry and you're actually wanting to get the work, like you are hungry enough to put in the hours, um, you don't get the best work right away. You don't get the best weddings. You don't get the best parties. You don't get the best families or styling or opportunities. You just don't. And that's okay. Um, because everybody has to start somewhere and we cannot overlook that. But at some point, you get to a point artistically, creatively, in your own mindset, in your own heart of, I want something that is going to, I want to work with people that actually care that they're working with me. Because this is a sacrifice to me. This is a sacrifice to um, be away from my family. This is a sacrifice of time. On, on my end, I not only am I shooting your wedding, I may be shooting your engagement photos, I may be shooting your bridles, and then I'm editing all of that. And that's more time that I'm not devoting to the things that make my home run. And so that time is very valuable to me. And so I want to be different because I want people to see who I am, to see my work, because what's wrapped up in my work is me. And... I know that that's kind of a controversial thing. And I don't mean that like, this is my baby, like don't be mean to it. Because my work is not my baby. My work is my work. And you can have an opinion on my work and your opinion is wrong if you don't like it. But you can have an opinion. <laughs> but I guess what it all boils down to is when you are reaching for more and you want to work with people who want to work with you, you have to be different than the average Joe, because that is what clears the path for your clients to come and find you. Um, and, you know, I think that people look at that idea of being different um, and they think like, well, that is an empty word or that's not a, that's not a great thing to, to seek. You should just be yourself. And to that person, I would say, you're saying the same thing because we're all different. And we're all doing things differently. So if you're just trying to be yourself, then you're trying to be different than everybody else because you're trying to be yourself. So, um, <laughs> Touche. That's, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, said. it's very cyclical. Yeah. The only reason I asked, and I don't know, I was just curious. The only reason I asked is I think it's something uh, that every listener can, can relate to is this concept of like, yeah. you know, we get on and we're, we're perpetually fighting two, two devils, right? One of them is everybody else is better than me. And one yeah. of them is everybody else is the same as me. Yeah. And yeah. Those, those two things are, are so ironically contradictory and yet they're the only two voices most artists hear. Yeah. Uh, and, and both of them are lies. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I, yeah. I'm just, I'm curious um, how other artists get through that stuff. Cause I, I think like for me, it is often just going back to where we started with removing yeah. the noise, just yeah. getting, getting down to the things that matter. And like you said early on, being efficient enough with your time that you're serving the right people with your hours. Exactly. And, uh, and if you're serving a bunch of, of people on Instagram that you'll never know and never serve and will never serve you, then uh, what a massive waste of those hours. Yeah. So I, I am curious though, I would ask that question to you, um, to you both, because I know that you shoot at a lot of the same venues and not every wedding is at the same venue, but you do shoot the same venues a few times a year. So how does that mm-hmm. affect your approach, your mindset, your self-speak? Um, when you are shooting different couples at the same venues? Great question. <laughs> mm, I, I'm, I think Jared should have to answer it. Yeah. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I think we both should have to answer it. We can tag team it. I mean, I think the first thing I would say is, uh, you know, the venue may be the same, but the couples are always completely different. Exactly. And I think it shapes the way we shoot. Uh, and I think usually this is miles on the, on the pregame side of things is spent, so much time with these couples before the actual wedding day that has a grasp of who they are, what the personality is and what we can pull off. And so when I'm coming into the game, you know, we have a game plan and have a, have a vision for what that wedding should look like. And somehow it, it always comes out a little bit different. Yeah. Cause I mean, we shot one venue like nine times or something yeah. like that this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every time it, like the last one we shot, was last month uh, there like that it was the best one Uh, and for whatever reason it was an awesome couple but like we just pushed the bar that last time and it'll be hard to top that one but we said that every time so yeah that's what I would say yeah I I guess I guess my answer to to that angle of it April would be to say that uh, it's taken a lot of maturity for us to get there there was a lot of years a whole lot of years where actually we rarely shot the same venue over and over again Very, very rarely. Um, One of the things that people don't think about in the luxury market is everybody aspires to be luxury photographers, not realizing that there's a lot fewer luxury venues. So you do end up at the same places over and over again. And you do end up shooting places that have been famously shot over and over again. So instead of rolling into these blank canvases, these, these slates that feel like they're wide open, you're often shooting spaces that have been shot by very well-known people and um, have had images that are, are, are already very recognizable taken at them. And, uh, you know, back to the, the conversation we were having before, there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, potentially a lot of comparison, a lot of insecurity that can come along with that. And so us walking into this, this last year and shooting at the same venue over and over again, the, the priority had to be the people. And it was a yeah. conversation that we had frequently was um, regardless of where we are or uh, who we're working with, let's double down on the stories that we're telling mm-hmm. and make sure that, you know, I mean, every, every fairy tale ever has a castle in it, right? But it's the, the people that are different. I, I realize how remarkably cheesy that sounds, but... <laughs> We we have to get out we have to get outside of the of the venue and understand that that is just one very tiny part of the story yeah. and actually often it's the tiniest part of the story. 
Um, so, I mean, we could, yeah. I, at this point, I'm confident enough to say, I feel like Jared and I could shoot beautiful photos. Actually, we, we have, I feel like we could take beautiful photos in a parking lot. Uh, I'm less concerned of where we are than who we're with. Yeah, so. for sure. I love uh, that. I, I, I think that that's probably been, I'm pardon me for speaking for you, but like, that's probably been super transformational for your work and your workflow and your relationship to put the couples first and not be thinking like, where am I going to get the best shots in this venue? And where are we going to do this? But like, what are these people down for? And how are we going to make some really awesome art with these two? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's a transformational mindset. Cool. And it, and it does change. I, I will say it changes once you get there, it changes everything else. Uh, we, we, uh, Jared and I quick story. We were in New York, uh, the week before last, for a wedding that had a remarkably tight timeline. I mean, an incredibly tight timeline. And we had six locations to photograph in 90 minutes. Um, and when I say locations, I, I genuinely mean, I'm talking like we have to drive to this beach. We have to drive to this hotel. We have to drive to this old firehouse. And we have to drive to this mansion. I'm, I'm not kidding. Um, we had 90 minutes for Trap. six locations with tra- at five o'clock. Ooh. At, yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, f- I forgot to mention that. And sunset was <laughs> in the middle of that 90 minute section. Yeah. And we had 18 bridesmaids, 18 groomsmen. <laughs> um, and this is like, it's I wish wild. I was, I, I wish I was making any piece of this up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think, I think it would give most photographers hives. I really do. I think it would be the type of thing that, that photographers that um, maybe, maybe hadn't evolved slowly or matured in their business slowly, it would give them just an ab- absolute panic attack. And yeah. man, we laughed our way through just the audacity yeah, of us saying, buddy. sure, we can do that. <laughs> um, and you know what? The photos are freaking out. epic. Um, and bad. the ulcer, my ulcer has yeah, nearly healed. It's coming out. <laughs> um, Hold so. on. I have to plug myself in. Hold on. You can edit this, right? Nope. Can we put this is all the live. Je- <laughs> the, the Jeopardy theme song in here. Okay. April, thanks for your time. This is oh, a su- this is a sweet, sweet interview. Thanks for stepping out and saying yes and letting us take some time to talk. It really means a lot to us. We say yeah. yes. It was yeah, really, really special. Uh, we don't say no. Uh, we learned uh, that. There you go. Lesson. That's going to be the name of the podcast. We don't say no. I didn't want to no. do it. I just want to record you, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love hey, it. As we, as we wrap, April, um, yes. just to do this live, because I think it's so relevant, y'all, that, that have hung with us through this hour. Uh, first off, thank you. Um, you've heard us talk about some things uh, in, this, in this episode um, that we would love for you to be involved in as listeners. So if you're not already a member of the Photographic Collective, please, please join us over for free on Facebook first. That's the, uh, that's the on-ramp. If you'd like more information about joining a Slack channel, um, a small group, uh, and, and a training protocol, um, just drop us a DM either on Instagram at Mileswood Boyer or through Facebook. Um, and then of course, please, please do us a big favor. Uh, we are so excited and, and I know you've already heard the ad break in this episode, but we're so excited to finally have these, uh, these abide presets from the Mileswood Boyer preset pack available. 
Uh, April loves them. Jared loves them because he basically made them. I love them because they make my life so much easier. Yeah. And I think you're going to love them because we truly spent months and months um, just just building something we're really proud of. So uh, head over to gpresets.com slash abide for more information on that. Or again, just drop me a message anytime at Miles Whitboyer on Instagram and I will send you a link. Awesome. Thanks, April. Good job, guys. Thank you. Thank you.